0: Hey, I'm Amar Chohan. And I'm Charlotte Williams. Thanks for tuning in to Love, Hate, Create, our podcast about the world of modern advertising. We speak with
1: the smartest people from the industry to find out whether we should be outraged or optimistic about where things are heading. Hello, so we've got Nilesh Ashra with us today on the podcast. Nilesh is the founder and CEO of two companies. I have one uh, when you can have two. Uh, One called Pragmatic Futurism, and the other is OK Tomorrow, both in and around the world of brand and comms. And prior to going out on his own, he was the director of creative technology at the very, very famous Wyden and Kennedy. uh, And also in the headquarters in Portland, Oregon. I remember you giving me a tour around uh, the, the place once upon a time. Prior to that, he was also um, at Poke for a little while, which for me was kind of one of the first really digital kind of hot shops out there, um, kind of in the early 2000s. I think it was, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but really great to have you with us, and uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Niles.
2: Hey, Mara. Hey, Charlotte. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kick us off with just a couple of um, icebreaker questions i guess but first of all okay tomorrow and pragmatic futurism please tell us a little bit about these two incredible innovation startups what are they what do they do
2: <laughs> it's um yeah i'd so generous of you to call them incredible innovation startups because where they where they started was uh, like most things i guess some humble humble beginnings um i was uh I was at Widening Kennedy for a really long time. And um, we could talk We could talk more, I guess, about, you know, what it was like there like, later on in the conversation, I imagine. And, and why I left, so I, I certainly have. Uh, I have some regrets about that. Um, we'll come to that. I started, yeah, I went, I went out on my own. I mean, I come from an entrepreneurial family, so I, I had that itch. And so really, I started Pragmatic Futurism, which was just a, a vessel for me to kind of try and do my own thing. But honestly, if I'm being completely honest, it was really about what I didn't want anymore than what I did want. Like I wanted smallness. I wanted some freedom. I have two really little kids. I have two beautiful girls. And, you know, my wife and I just been like, she works at Widening Kennedy. We both had these demanding schedules. So I wanted to edit back like my my work existence and pair it all back. So yeah, pragmatic futurism became my consultancy. Right. I, I went out and just helped help plant some brands. And you know, I have a I have a weirdo background um and so it kind of the kind of consulting work I do the kind of strategy work I do ended up having a certain flavor to it which then led to uh led to okay tomorrow um which has kind of taken on a life of its own lately yeah
0: it's fantastic can you just give a very quick snapshot as to what that is because it's an interesting company isn't it
2: yeah so I'd been consulting for a couple of years on my own and um you know my my academic background is in computer science and AI, and I'm, I'm sort of a practicing computer scientist and technology. Kind of accidentally wandered into a door called like digital brand out of uni, and my whole career has been shaped by looking at the horizon, like scanning the horizon for what emerging technology is coming. It's it's um because it's, it's like year after year it seems to impact everything. So that became my loop. That was my core loop as a as a creative professional. Really was. What's coming and how's it going to impact our clients' business, our business, the media ecosystem, consumer behavior, product innovation, product distribution—all of that stuff. And I don't—I'm not a strategist, so I don't create like fancy trend reports. But I just had this way of helping people digest understand that, Charlotte. And um, and so I—I launched Okay Tomorrow, which was um, which is a TV show. <laughs> it's a TV show. Uh, that we broadcast live and it's specifically built and designed and conceived for the uh, creative business professional. So enterprises subscribe to it and we deliver fast-paced, irreverent, fun kind of inspiration on emerging technology and science so that it helps, helps you see where the puck is going.
0: Yeah, little snapshots. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for that. So let's just start then, um, and you've alluded to this a little bit earlier, but tell us about your proudest moment perhaps in your career um and also let's let's go a bit darker and talk about your your lowest moment um so far
2: yeah um well i you mentioned poke um it's it's a i agree it was like the hot shop but working in it it just felt like complete chaos and nothing really nothing felt like it really made sense we it, it was just like a wild amazing creative environment to find myself from there in, at widening Kennedy was like, like palpably shocking. I'm from North London. Like, I was gonna go work at like IBM. Yeah, I was gonna do some like really dry, boring corporate technology stuff. And I, honestly, like a recruiter was just like, "Do you want to? Do you want to interview at POC?" Uh, I went to the interview and like the, the guy that interviewed me wasn't wearing shoes. You know, he was just I was it was just barefoot. I was like, what. is this you know it's like like you're sort of 20 21 you're like wow there's companies that make stuff on the internet for other companies like could this be real to find myself at widening kennedy like five or six years later it was it was an insane experience so a couple years after joining widening kennedy it was a really tense strange and exciting time there um there was just this like determination to like evolve and figure digital out but obviously there was like a 30 year insane track record of like world class creativity and like the new the new talent that was brought in with like the established legacy, it was kind of chaotic. So I think my proudest moment was surviving the first couple of years of that like atmospheric entry and then um, I was given the chance to build an, a, a new business unit there called the Lodge that was like a a center of excellence around expressive creativity through technology and i can't i mean i look back and it's just like i don't know how they managed to justify giving me that that opportunity but they did very proud of that it sounds like there was a commitment right to to reinvention
1: Mm -hmm. i think rga do something similar right don't they which sounds like they're hell bent on doing it for maybe not the right reasons just because they say every seven years they have to do it right Um, and it's reinvent yourself and, and 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 change and evolve and
2: you had the sponsorship there, it sounds like, which made it easy. It, it Totally. Um, You know, I think that kind of value might be in RGA's DNA. It, I don't think it was in Widening Kennedy's DNA, right? Like, what was in Widening Kennedy's DNA was just this, like, ruthless pursuit of, like, the creative pursuit. Like, their bar of what a great idea is is really, like, to me, what drove everything. So I, I think it makes it even more remarkable that there were... There were people that had the foresight to sort of go, "Wow!" Well, like even though we have the world's premier product in this space, creative product in this space, um, there's a there's a curiosity about what either might disrupt us or what might just be better. I think that's really what it was. We had very few conversations about like the business opportunity, the economic impact of not. Pers- it was never like that. It was more like, "Could this be better?" Like the the more the the thing that really resonated with leadership there in those years was just like. Um, enthusiasm. I mean, a lot of people lectured them about the potential of digital. I was just like, your ideas could be so much better. Like, imagine if the world could interact with your stories. What if your stories could be happening across multiple media across the world? What if he, consumers could be involved in sh- in the stories? It just made such a difference with getting traction and and belief in in and buy in on that on that terrible kind of digital transformation challenge that so many agencies were facing.
0: Mm. So proud moment, I guess, getting getting that gig. What well, have we? To- what what about your lowest moment Nilesh? Yeah,
2: yeah, also at widening Kennedy. you know, I look back, Charlotte, and I think mm. i le I left widening Kennedy, and it's weird, right like i it's hard to say i regret I regret leaving because I've gotten to do some amazing stuff since and I still have amazing relationships there. I think it's it will be a defining moment in my career, a really special special place.
0: Well you obviously met your wife there
2: uh actually we met in we met in London we met in London oh okay, all right yeah <laughs> wedding wedding in Kennedy can work like two different ways you either meet them there or you both surreptitiously end up working there um so the darkest moment I think was leaving for the wrong reasons yeah I think I got embroiled in the very politics that I set out to defuse and um I, re- I regret that it was it was dark it was 2018 it was hard it was really hard looking back like I left a company I loved in in the wrong way and I regret that wow
0: I'm sorry to hear that well you've put it out there now
2: yeah, no, I talk, I, I, I talk, I talk openly about it. I've, <laughs> I've, I've revisited it with all my friends there, the, the the amazing people I work with, and they understand, right? It happens. Like these businesses are confounding, you know. It's a collection of people bound together, hurtling at great speeds through really difficult problems, and you know, very little, very little to lean on but each other. So, like politics and chaos take hold. I think there's a, there's a good amount of understanding. I sp- I speak openly about it now. I think you have to if you can not identify that, like. A lot of agencies end up running uh, through like you know, power and politics um, I don't think you're really being honest about what makes great places tick yeah and when you commit
1: to a company at that very critical stage of your career it's bound to feel really emotionally loaded whether it's on good terms bad terms or in time. a way that you regret uh, I'm guessing you're around my age maybe slightly older and so, actually, that would have been in that really important phase where actually you first feel like you truly belong somewhere and like part of the fabric of the the business. So when Completely. you make that decision, there's a lot that goes into it. And yeah, it sounds like you look back on it, you 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 you're, you're accepting of the fact that it didn't quite go to plan.
2: Y- yeah, and we did. I, I, th- yeah, there's so much work that we do that's proud of that I'm proud of. It's just. Um... Yeah, that piece. I think, I think also there's a little thing that happens at at widening Kennedy when you when you hear the story about the amazing power of independence, you realize that you don't have it like the company has it, but you sort of start to ask yourself like, wow, what does independence and agency look for me? Look like for me? And that's, I think there was a really healthy and beautiful way to have that conversation with the company about is there a way. I, I they're they're a client of mine now. They're friends of mine. I we I, I love working in the in their business. I think there was probably a way to for us all to have our cake and eat it. But that's um that's perspective, isn't
1: it? Yeah, and actually if it's inspired you to go off and do your own thing Hopefully. truly independently, then that's success as well. At least it would be if I was the mm-hmm. owner or running that company. And I think there's quite a lot of uh people that we've spoken to or are due to speak to on the podcast that Uh, ex-wisen or ex-roger as well I think there's quite a yeah uh, a high incidence of uh of people that came out and then started doing exciting things afterwards certainly does yep
0: We'd like to take a quick moment to thank one of our sponsors. Massive Music is a global music agency and partner for some of the world's leading brands and agencies. With 10 offices worldwide and over two decades of expertise, they deliver everything you need in the field of music, voice and sound, from sonic branding and activations to music for commercials and licensing. Just to name a few, Massive Music works with clients such as Heineken, Nike, The North Face, Philips and Colgate. They also provided the music for this very podcast. On top of being a lovely bunch they're an official sound partner for brands on TikTok and since 2021 they're part of Song Trader, the world's largest B2B music company. Their ultimate goal is to combine musical craft with strategy to elevate your project or campaign through the power of music in sound which if you ask us is oh so needed in the advertising world of today. If you're interested, send an email to lovehatecreate at massivemusic.com so they know you came through us. Needless to say, they're all ears.
1: So, Nilesh, you know the format of the show. It's all about your loves, your hates, and the change that you create in the industry. Why don't you kick us off? Tell us, what is it that you actually love about the space? Yeah, um,
2: okay. So, one thing that I think you can... You can, it can be loathsome at times, but really, like, I've learned to embrace and love is how simple the business can be. You know, there, there, there's really like nothing stopping anybody from getting into this business. You sort of need a MacBook and a like coffee shop Wi Fi, and if, you're now in competition with Whitening Kennedy. Like, that's a pretty powerful equalizing effect. Um, and if you can find kind of equilibrium between some sort of like, special ability to problem solve or be creative you know the barrier to entry to enter the ring is is amazing and only recently since i've started to talk to people that have built businesses in other places i mean some of them are like this this industry seems just like bizarre like you have no ip like no defensibility like it's it's it's, it's bonkers like what are you even selling you're like well you kind of every day you're reselling the entire ideology to other companies that have the exact same ideology but just use slightly different words for it. I've learned to love it though, because I think I think it's an outlet. You know, I think it's really hard to commercialise creativity. You know, there's like the art movement and then I think there's, you know, the kind of entire ecosystem or kind of corporate strategy. This at its best, this splits the difference and has almost no on-ramp to it if you sort of approach it right. Um so I, I really love that.
0: Fantastic. No barrier to entry, then. You think as long as you've got a unique approach to problem solving ideas,
2: yeah, you can jump in. I do, yeah, and and like I I <laughs> I admit, like I I lean I'm extre- I'm an extremist in this regard. Like I I'm a big believer in. I think there's a couple of um there's a couple of tailwinds here. I think we are. We are increasingly able to build creative offerings without any of the fluff. I think COVID forced us into a into a into a place where it really is like completely flattening. Like there's no more impressing people with lobbies or fancy dinners or you know being on the right street in the right city in London or New York with the right postcode. Those things seem to have become way less val- valuable symbols or signals of who can solve your problems and then again i'm an extremist on like the the potential of people you know i think curious people um that are like have an intellectual kind of drive in and of themselves can just learn a remarkable amount and there's never been a better time to have like a, a sponge like mind cuz we live in an era of like the internet and free information so i think i think for me like a lot of it points to kind of a, a slight shift from large teams of specialists which is what you could call an agency those departments are sort of like each specialist departments to an to an era that maybe is going to start to really favor the the generalist um, that can kind of generally solve problems, generally be creative, generally connect. And I think the economics of that and the opportunity for there is really phenomenal. Someone
0: was saying to me the other day that all you need to do is create a proprietary, I say that in inverted commas, proprietary framework. <laughs> and, you, and you've basically got a, got a model that you can, or, or something that you can sell, right? As long as you do yeah. that, you can clone that and take it everywhere
2: i think i think just if you could figure out like what your opinion is that's really true to you about what could be better it's huge there's so many there's so many agencies and consultancies that still go out and say we solve whatever you need solving client and it's i just don't think that's as viable as saying i'm nilash my whole life i've been obsessed with this thing um and 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 here's why and here's why i think that's really valuable to businesses and if they're not interested that will happen, but the ones that are, it will be a really quick yes. And again, I think there's just less of a shit given about um, what your lobby looks like. Yeah, here's my thesis,
1: and actually exactly. build my my narrative around it, and the work I do will kind of fuel that, and vice exactly. versa. Yeah, it's a really good way of looking at it because, to your point, to your answer, there's also that's also the reason why there are so many agency yes. people calling themselves agencies um because yes it's 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 commoditized and anyone can start nowadays but what sets you apart is the quality of your thinking and your conviction i
2: suppose to then prove that with problem solving yes great work yeah exactly frequency frequency of of original ideas that's 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 the metric i think and yeah it's, it's a hard thing to get out of if you if you i mean the alchemy of talent is, is a lot of it um yeah, you know, like, but you can probably find a couple of thousand agency websites that say some version of we create beautiful and delightful experiences between brands and their customers. And so it's like <laughs> the gap between them is like, is infinitesimally small. And and so like wedging that open is like a, a pretty, a pretty interesting operational, creative kind of talent, alchemy challenge. This, I think, Amaris, to your point, is made so much easier when you have a thesis you're operating out of. Otherwise you have nothing to hang on to other than well the reason I want you to join is because if you don't we might go out of business. Um it's 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 not a reason to be there. Yeah, you end up doing SEO
1: like everyone else on LinkedIn yeah, constantly exactly. messaging me. Um <laughs> my perception is that so someone like yourself left one of the most famous agencies in the world and you are a reflection of a wider shift that's happening in the industry and that was only accelerated by the pandemic right the great reshuffle resignation whatever term you want to give it yeah but when it comes to clients themselves there still seems to be an attachment to working with your hold company agency or an agency of an equivalent size shape and scale and then there's not much in between and then you've got of course your specialist freelancers like yourself if you want to put yourself in that category and many others that are kind of dipping in and out of briefs here and there, but primarily end up going and servicing the agency that they worked with and having them as a client. What do you think about that gap in in the middle then? And and what's, what's it going to take to shift the perceptions of clients to say, actually, if the talent's all kind of departing the agencies that we're paying a big fat fee for... How am I going to get access to those people that used to work there and are the best in the business
2: yeah that's a that's quite a picture um there's a lot moving there, like I think there's some really deep, deep currents driving some of that so so i don't, I don't know if I know the answer, but here's some of the stuff I'm observing. I think you're right um I think I think the continued attachment to kind of large outside agency infrastructure hold co infrastructure is probably mostly about risk management and scale so i'll I'll get onto both those things but i think risk management is probably the easiest like there's a there's just kind of a a a sort of a what is it an on the the tenure of a cmo is kind of trending downwards Which kind of like creates creates general like a sense of risk averseness then i think with scale yeah there are things i guess you need thousands of people to be able to do um I think a lot of that is going to become disintermediated as the paid media ecosystem shifts and as creative tools change. But the thing I'm seeing is, you know, indies, indie consultants like myself and teams of us that band together, um, I think, I think we're provocateurs in the company, right? Like it's, it's, um, it's really important to figure out like what the two or three year conversation is. And, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't really put my finger on why, like large agencies can't get there, um, but part of it is competing incentives. You know, like if you're a CMO, it's it's hard to, it's hard to believe. You know, the CSO of a large holding company, um, because y- y- you sort of, you sort of probably get a sense that incentives aren't exactly aligned there. You know, they're looking to grow their own business. Whereas an indie can come in and honestly tell the truth. And there's great power in that. It's that on like As time's gone on, as I've done this, yeah, I've just become way more honest, like much, much more honest with clients. And I, I've heard this from other indie consultants too. Their power is kind of their their honesty. Yeah. So how can you sort of like develop that sense of honesty while kind of managing the like optics around misaligned incentives? You know, like am I telling you the truth or am I telling you what will help keep our fee the same next year or grow it by 5%. It's a, it's kind of a brutal thing to navigate. I don't know what really happens in the middle. In the middle, Amartya, the picture you've painted, I don't know what's in the middle. Probably a couple of things that I'm interested in. Um, one is, like, what does it look like to have uh, 50 people like myself and yourselves semi-organized? That can kind of come together in flying formations, not an agency, but also not fifty individuals. Um, and the second is, honestly, the second is a new a new wave of creative tools that will allow um, that will allow independence in partnership with clients and client teams and with agencies to create more of what's needed with less human labor. And obviously, the center of this is is AI, but not just AI. You know, I think today whatever's going to disrupt adobe is being built right now and those are the things that those are the things that i think will start to disintermediate both ends of that spectrum
0: fantastic and democratize creativity to a degree which is what you were talking about earlier um so i let's move on i because we could talk about these issues all day they're fascinating um and i get the sense that you are a bit of an eternal optimist nilesh so you might find this next <laughs> one hard um but what is it that you hate about our industry
1: what
2: um, really yeah. gets on your nerves oh i had to pour over this now this was this actually came came pretty easy i am an optimist but but um you know the, the 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 lack of ip in the in the model as it stands is just like it's a it's a big problem and so I guess my message here is like to, if you're listening and you're wrestling with that too just keep going cuz so I think it's tremendously valuable. I know you were being tongue in cheek about developing a proprietary framework, but I think we should be I, I I think I think I think it's really important that like if you're in this space and you want to have longevity that you start to think about um you know what is our product and how can we create some sort of efficiency flywheel to create that product for less cost over time. Um, because otherwise, you are. Uh, we had an amazing managing director at Widening Kennedy uh, for a couple of years that I was there. His name was Tom Blessington, and he had this great quote. He was like, "Every agency, no matter their size, is three phone calls away from being out of business." And so that's that that common enemy is one I think we should like, all aim at. Um, and it's yeah, I, I, it's it's a frustration about the industry. And then I think I, there's one more thing I, I would add into something I hate, which I touched on, but I think. I think because of the lack of ip and it puts such a reliance on emerging rock stars that like rock star culture you know like it creates this reliance or this perceived reliance on one two or ten individuals out of hundreds in a company that are like the real creative value and it can create um yeah it can create politics worse than politics though i think it can distract people from like evolving the business you just sort of end up reliant on these like rock star geese that can i'm mixing metaphors here that can lay golden eggs um and i i just think that's business, a
0: great metaphor
2: by the way <laughs> I, I, I just think i just think the business is better than that the potential is better than that i think you you end up stop y- yeah y- you know y- you stop growing you stop learning you stop pushing and once reliance sets in on any parts of the business i think you're you're you're, you're done
1: yeah to, to your point about um ip who out there is, is actually doing a great job of that, and you can't say anything related to widen. <laughs>
2: um, I mean, I'm trying. I mean, OK, tomorrow is a content product. Um, I think content products are a really big opportunity. Um, who else? I mean, I think consultancies do a really good job of this, and I think I think if you're in the creative agency business, you could do well to continue to study. How well the likes of Accenture and Deloitte and Forrester are able to monetize their strategy work. their so strategy products, um, would be one. So yeah, I I, I don't I mean like, I don't want to work at Deloitte, but I can I can admire their product thinking in, in the knowledge space. Um, and then one more came to me is I've I've lost it, but yeah, I mean agencies um, in in the product space, I would say mother. You know, like Mother has a really interesting model where they kind of incubate and kind of end up, end up with this kind of constellation of interesting, creative products. Some of them are co-funded with brands, some of them, they kind of, in, they've, I think Mother's done a really good job in their culture, seemingly of encouraging independence, uh, because they recognize like you are a beneficiary of the independence of Mother and they want to kind of, uh, help, help you take that agency forward too. A friend of a friend is running, I think it's called other, um, which
1: they've created to basically service your startup your scale-up brands so not your your big multinational um consumer brands but the ones that are now emerging and probably been funded to the hilt to growing fast which is interesting
2: yeah i think a lot of a lot of amazing creative agencies like to say we're we love creativity we don't love ads i think secretly they all love ads most of them the ones that don't, you can tell because they've managed to find ways to channel their creativity into new businesses that don't involve selling TV commercials to clients.
0: Yeah, there are a few well known ones in that space like that. But what sort of strikes me about what you're saying, I guess, is is that the independence, even if you're an independent agency, it sounds like the staff are still not incentivized to necessarily be independent. Um, what you, you've got the beauty and the freedom of being beholden to no one really, no shareholders, no employees. I'm sure to a degree, but but is it that sense of freedom that's what I'm taking out?
2: Yeah, I mean. it's a tough balance because like, yeah, I have, I have the freedom, but I also have two little kids and it can be, it can be an existential nightmare on a daily basis to to commit to like making your entire, to make your entire living without, without anyone to help you. I think on a um, dream. Yeah. Yeah. But I think all of this is teachable. I really do. And I think it's a missed opportunity. I think you can teach and encourage and show a path to being a, a kind of like a measured entrepreneurial risk taker. And I just don't think agencies do. And the ones that do, Um, I think end up in really strong places, and they end up being incubators of interesting people and interesting businesses. You know, and like a thought exercise might be like you take the staff of a really, really well-known agency, you know, and you go, okay, what would, what would a Brian Chesky or Steve Jobs do with those two hundred people? Like, I guarantee you, they wouldn't just like try to make them billable to clients for a whole year. They would try to make something, probably twenty things. And only one might survive, but that that drive to like use what you have in the best way possible. You know, these are like incredible, incredible resources. If you think about like the amount of thinking that can potentially happen in an agency in one day, um, yeah, it's hard, hard challenge. But how do you create a culture that really gets the most out of that? Yeah,
1: what, how do you think you do that? Because I've been in so many scenarios, whether it's been with agencies that were clients of mine or agencies that I've been part of. Where there's this desire for innovation, and this it's almost it's just treated like a shiny new object, and it's something that they should do, and they try to brief maybe some people to do some work on it in their kind of very little spare time, but then of course that's going to get outcompeted by billable hours. So, in your experience, you you were successful at doing this at Widen, but there are probably lots of agencies out there that. Aren't able to, like, dedicate a full team to this stuff. So, what would your kind of quick prescription be? Yeah, to uh, create the IP that you're saying that would be really valuable. Yeah,
2: I mean, it, it's probably not possible for for every agency. I think Widen had capital and independence. So, if if you don't have those two things, that's that's going to make it hard. Um, on on the other side, you can start out this way, tiny, you know, and make everyone a partner. I mean that's really what it comes down to is like do you actually have equity in in the thing and i don't want to i don't think startups have got it perfect but there's a reason why like the founding engineer will get seven percent of the company because you know you, you want them to be incentivized there's just such a poor track record of agencies doing that everything else that you try after that will end up just trying to shoehorn stuff and by that time you have an agency business that yeah you're living and dying by you know the new business pipeline and you start to have to cut your one cost center, which is staff, up and down based on that. It becomes really hard to create breathing room. So if you're able to get people on board from the beginning under the premise of, you might make less here in your base compensation, but um, if we grow something amazing, we all win together. I just, I, I just feel like you'd probably have to do that either from the beginning or have like the wild luxuries of some of the super successful shops to incubate something for a few yeah, years.
0: Absolutely, it seems like a much more there are agencies doing this though there aren't, there aren't there I've seen a few who are making all employees Only. all levels partners I think it's fantastic be interesting to
1: just not not enough not enough it's yeah. surprising because it's not that that complex a um, like no,
2: concept but still the take up is remarkably low yeah and I think you know if I was if I was 10 years younger and giving myself advice I'm not sure how open I would be to taking that risk it's funny like uh, when you join a startup it's sort of become like culturally accepted if you're a coder or a ux designer or whatever that like yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm in this for the equity and risk taking seems to be part of the dna of just how you look for a job i think we tend to want security you know you want to work for the agency that's had the least layoffs it's it's a very conservative fear-based ecosystem um because of how poorly run some of these some of these structures have been so i think part of the work to do is just like encourage each other like if you take a risk on yourself um and you are finally have like aligned incentives to go create the change that you you have the potential to do you'll probably do it. I believe in you.
0: That sounds like a dreamy culture.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: dreamy.
2: Yeah, and like I said it takes nothing to create it but a MacBook and a coffee shop wifi. So let's go. Let's let's go. So switching gears
1: what would be the the change that you'd create in the industry in order to ensure that we have a successful next 10 years or so?
2: Yeah. Um, I think we've talked about some of that stuff. We should expand on it. I mean, I think the conversation we just had, uh, it would be amazing if as an industry, I was talking to um, Ian Tate, who is one of the founders of POKE and a really phenomenal mentor of mine. And he started a new thing and it's really interesting. And he he, he was saying, you know, they spent a lot of time, a lot of time creating a new type of kind of financial equity plumbing for the company because they want to be able to spin out businesses. They want to attract talent in new ways. They want to make an offering that's, that's, that's sort of different and better. So I think I think better infrastructure for the businesses themselves um, would, would be amazing. How, how easy do you think that
1: is to pull off? And we, we talked a little bit about remuneration uh, a couple of minutes ago. And I think that's not difficult to pull off, but the kind of thing that you're talking about there with the intake, you think that's easy to do from the ground up then?
2: I don't know, and I think it took them a long time and they they've built and built and scaled a couple of agencies that he's got some really senior partners, and they're doing it. what what I would but we, we see this in the technology space right like people sort of burrow down, they solve really hard problems, and then they surface and they kind of productize those. um famously Stripe created. A suite of products that were a nightmare beforehand in the tech space to do payments, as one example, there's a product called Atlas that will allow you in like I think it's in like two minutes. Stripe Atlas will create a Delaware incorporated American S corporation that you can bill against, like fully, fully registered in, in the in the state of Delaware with the with the um, with the IRS. That's hard the first time, but if you have a technology mindset, you can productize that, and now everyone gets the benefit of that you sort of reduced the headwind to the type of model or entrepreneurialism that you want to kind of encourage. So I would love to see, I would love to see more kind of like technology products built to, to help you build, scale the right kinds of um, creative businesses. And then if I could just add one thing, which I think is like probably my macro learning from all of this, from this, uh, like from, from my short time in this, in this space, I guess, in this industry is like the cycles of reinvention, just getting faster and faster. And, and there is, there is just like, a, in my opinion now, a complete emphasis on, on the value of continuous learning. Like if, if you don't have like a genuine spirit of like intellectual debate and real kind of deep work, deep work values um, that encourages people to go and learn and actualize themselves intellectually and to become polymaths. Like if, I, I believe like polymathism is, like it would be a tremendously valuable Um, Attribute to these creative companies, Um, and then like, what is the ecosystem you build of the employee experience to encourage polymathism? I think that's probably one of the most interesting problems in the whole industry right now. The stuff you could build to create, to acquire, to help create that culture, to support that culture, um, I think would value clients tremendously. I think you'd see it in the bottom line really fast, and I think it would. I think it's. I think it's what we all want. Like the deep down anxiety that I won't have a job in five years. I think is mostly rooted in. Am I going to know in five years the things that I need to know, and that process can start now.
0: And having a couple of strings to your bow. I mean, when you talk about polymathism, yeah, fascinating concept. So side hustles, all of those. Are you talking about that, or are you talking about yeah. different skills, different just learn? Yeah, I think Constance it's like curiosity.
2: I I think um I think just like the, the industry has become so reductive. Like if you spend eight years. In departments called account service you self-identify as an account person I just don't believe we should do that anymore at all like if this can be the day that, that just stops I think it'll be a really he- healthy evolution for all the people in the industry And remember the industry is just as people because there's no IP and and so like that's the thing is like in a knife fight between a a busy client and someone that's been in quotes only an account person I believe that account person could have a pretty good stab at a brand architecture pyramid. and I think and I think the second one will be even better. and I think the fiftieth one will be pretty fucking good and 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 you're in business. like I, I think the the business is like really about identifying problems, then solving them. And so if you can just learn all the things you need to learn to flex between those spaces, I think it's all learnable. It's all learnable. I think these are muscles that we allow to atrophy because of mostly like cultural baggage that comes with the industry. And so it's part of why I'm so obsessed with like, learning and inspiration like i think it's it's um it's a business necessity more than anything
0: that's a very very um meaty answer there ninesh i mean yeah it sounds like we we we, like you say the baggage of archaic structures of thinking very rigidly about strategists versus creatives versus account people it's not like where's the fluidity and it, so it makes no
2: it makes no yeah it, make, it makes no sense. and it, when every time you see you know someone from the agency side take a you know a director of content strategy role on the client side we sort of go ah oh, amazing good for them i think we should believe that it makes perfect sense you know or here's another way to look at it if you watch Mad Men, the names of the departments haven't changed i don't think that is a good place to be as an industry and so I mean, it's a gimme to me. I I know there are shops that are really experimenting with this, but I think it's a gimme for some of the bigger agencies that want to change their proposition is to start radically deleting a lot of that shit and to intentionally create some like benevolent chaos in their in their agency organizations by like deleting the names of departments, deleting timesheets, and like trusting in the agency of the individual.
0: Amazing. i think that a lot of people are going to come and want to work for you at (laughs) 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 can i have a job (laughs) this agency of the future sounds dreamy, which i guess um leads us to our um our final question on this and i'm sure you're going to have a lot to say on this um nilesh is is where do you think the industry will be or where do you hope it will be and where do you think it will be in in the next 10 years say 10 years Uh, from now
2: yeah good good question i i think um there's going to be a lot of software and uh, new technology kind of consumer consumer software that is going to be powering creative people like i I don't think i don't think there's going to be this like mass replacement that's being reported um just like photoshop didn't replace art it just let us it just let us create 10 times more of it um so I think that would be my. If I had to put a pin on something, it would be sort of like, uh, creative people will be like, they'll be like superheroes. They'll have like all of this digital armory, software armory that they're wearing to be able to do that thing of problem identification and and solution finding. Now with you know, software and technology like AI, um, a media technology to that allow themselves to discover, learn, explore map visualize distill articulate and distribute ideas now 10 20 maybe 100x faster than relying on sort of um long tail human labor to do that and and i think what that means is yeah more creativity more, um it, it will, i think it will be a massive economic opportunity for everybody that's interested in in ideas for money the the term
1: you won't lose your job to a computer but you'll lose it to someone who can use a computer exactly. better than you or ai better than you which has been mentioned a lot on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter lately. But my old pal Alex Jenkins said that about five years ago when talking about AI and the impact on creativity. So I think you'll be very happy. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Um, that brings us to the end, Nilesh. Thank you so much. Been really insightful. Um, and uh, we wish you the best of luck with OK Tomorrow and, and um, Pragmatic Futurism. Thanks for, for joining us.
2: Amar, Charlotte, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for having me on.